tonight, 2 Peter chapter number 3. Tonight kicks off our month of Sundays after church where we have an ice cream uh, for everyone that's there. And we're going to go ahead and jump right into the message because if I preach as long as I did this morning, it'll be a month of milkshakes, right? Amen. All right. I went ahead and said it because I know you were thinking it. But I am looking forward to the fellowship tonight. And uh, good to have everybody back on a wet, wet Sunday. My goodness gracious, it is soaking wet outside. But thank the Lord he allowed us to be able to come and be back at his house again tonight. Second Peter chapter number 3. And uh, I want you to remain seated if you don't mind and look down, if you will, to verse number 1. Just follow along. I'm going to skip several verses uh, for the sake of time. Thank you again to our ladies for the great music tonight. Appreciate Brother Tyler filling in for Brother Heath. And it's just great having people willing to serve, isn't it? Just a next man up mentality. And what a blessing that is, even when you get to sing in front of a, a sheriff's office. I mean, it's not often you get to do that, right? Sing in front of a sheriff's office. Second Peter chapter number 3, let's pick up in verse number 1. Uh, the Bible says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now, skip all the way down, if you will, to the end of the chapter. Look at verse number 17. The Bible says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Very familiar verse, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word again tonight, for the privilege of being here. Uh, thank you, Father, for allowing us to get here in the, the rough weather, be able to have a building, Lord, out of the rain, that we could come and hear your word preached again. I pray, Father, we've come to hear it, to receive it, to respond to it. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, if, you're, uh, Lord, if you should deal with hearts tonight, Lord, those that may be lost, that they'd come and be saved. And for those that are saved, Lord, I pray we would genuinely be challenged by your word tonight. Allow it to do what you've sent it to, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go ahead and jump right in, if we could. Uh, this morning I mentioned something to you that was on my mind just a little bit this afternoon, and uh, the message is very, very fresh because it kind of ties into this morning just a little bit. Uh, but I mentioned to you a couple of times during the message that the Word of God uh, and the messages from the Word of God, God desires them to be proactive uh, in our life, okay? So when we read the Word of God, even though it's been preserved for us for thousands of years, God desires that the book and the Word of God be proactive in our life. Now, by that I mean it is to prepare us. It's God's desire that we take what he's preserved in this book and he's taking it in our lives and in our hearts and our homes and preparing us for things to come in our life. Now, you see the love of our Father in that, that he wants us to be prepared. Uh, I mean, many of us here tonight, we have children. I have a daughter, she's 14, and I'm doing my dead level best to prepare her uh, for, for 12, 15 years from now when she leaves my home. Uh, I want her to be prepared. I want her to know how to change a tire. I want her to know how to change her oil. Uh, the odds are she'll never find a guy in today's world that knows how to change his own oil, so uh, I'm having to train her how to change her oil and uh, change a tire. And I even gave her a pocket knife yesterday for the gym when she went soul winning. I said, you never know, and you might just have to break that out. Hey, some weirdos in the world. We have weirdos in our church, but uh, you know, I want her to be prepared when she goes out in life. Now, that's an earthly father. I'm an earthly father. 
I'm giving her all of that as her earthly father, trying to be proactive for the things that she's going to encounter in her life. Now, that's what a heavenly father wants for us times a million. That's why he preserved this book for us, so that we would know how to be prepared for the things that come to us in life. Turn to your left, if you will, tonight. Second Timothy, look down, if you will, chapter 3, and look down to verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse number 15. We know this very well. Listen closely. And that from a child thou hast known the what? The holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in, G- in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then watch verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, that means complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So what is the Bible telling us? God preserved his word for us that it might be proactive in our life to prepare us for what God would have us to do that we might be equipped. He wants us to be prepared. Think about Proverbs 22, 6 tonight. The Bible says to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, it will not depart from that. Now watch what he's saying. To train them up in the way they should go. All right, we're training them up for the day when they leave our home the way that they should go. We are preparing them. Aren't you glad the Word of God has a plan for us on how we can not only be prepared ourselves, but also prepare our children? Think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. The Bible says, with all our heart, and lean not into our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge Him, and He will what? Direct our paths. So the Word of God is proactive. It is preparing us for the road ahead. Now, understand this. The Word of God can be reactive if you so choose. All right, the Word of God can prepare you and desires to prepare you for the road ahead, but if you choose, the Word of God can be reactive, meaning it's something you turn to after you've messed everything up. All right, the Word of God is either going to be your steering wheel or it's going to be your spare tire. Think about that, all right? A steering wheel is proactive. It decides the direction you're going. Or the Word of God can be the spare tire. It's what you go to the trunk and get after you've had a blowout on the road of life. Now, I pray tonight you'd allow the Word of God to be that steering wheel. God desires that we take this Word, we read it, we hide it within our heart, that we might find good direction in our life and get to the destination that God has planned for us. But if you're not careful, listen, you'll spend your life leaning on your own understanding and the Word of God will be reactive. You'll find yourself really, really old one day, like 41 or 42 uh, or, or maybe even in your 50s, you know, really, really old. And you'll be reading this book thinking, oh, I wish I'd have listened. Oh, I wish I'd have heeded that. Oh, I wish I'd have known better. Well, you could have, but you'd have had to read the Word of God. Now, watch what's happening in 2 Peter. 2 Peter is obviously the sequel to 1 Peter, okay? Now, oftentimes in movies, when you have a sequel, it never lives up to the original, does it? Well, the good news is when it comes to the Word of God, the sequel is just as good. And Peter is speaking to the Jewish believers. Now, here's what's amazing. When you read this passage of Scripture, the two main problems they were dealing with was persecution and apostasy, all right? They were dealing with outward persecution for those who were condemning them for living the way they lived, and they were dealing with inward apostasy to where there were false doctrines entering into the church. So here's what the Bible does. The Bible gives them exactly what they need to, do, to, do, to know to stand off and withstand those forces that are seeking to overcome them. Now, here's what I love about this. Satan's always going to seek to go to and fro and up and down in the earth 
seeking us as that adversary who he may what? Devour. That's what Satan desires to do. What did he, when, when, when he came to, uh, uh, to attack Job, what did God say? Where have you been? From going up and down and to and fro in the earth. I want to remind you that that same adversary is the same one we're facing. And he's had thousands of years of extra practice. Remember, you get a thousand years to practice something, the odds are you're going to be pretty good at it. And he's still going up and down and to and fro, using the same two problems they had to unseat God's people from what thus saith the Lord. What does he use? He uses persecution and he uses apostasy. So God's being proactive here in 2 Peter, and he's reminding them of a few things they need to know if they're going to remain. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I need reminders. <clears throat> I'm a husband, therefore that comes with the territory, right? I need reminders. My wife reminds me all the time. My wife reminds me. Miss Pam reminds me. Siri reminds me. I have wonderful ladies in my life that remind me of things that I need to do. Why? Because I forget easily. Now, there's some things that you can afford to forget a couple of days, taking out the garbage being one of them. You can forget that for a couple of days, and it's not going to scar you morally in your life. But when it comes to the things of the Word of God, there's a lot of things in here, listen to me, if you forget them and you're not mindful of them, it's going to cost you on the road of life. So in 2 Peter, we see him giving them a few reminders to those that will remain. Now, once again, we don't have the notes up on the screen tonight because you can't see it, but the title is simply this, Reminders to the Remaining. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those that are remaining. All right? I want to be one of those, listen, who's not perfect, who doesn't always get things right, may not always say things the right way. Sometimes I may talk too fast. Sometimes I may talk too slow. Sometimes I may even talk too long. Amen. All right? We all agree with that. But in the end, I want to be one of the ones that's remaining. I want to be remaining. All right? I may not look as good or talk as good, but I want to remain, all right? Now, if we're going to remain, we've got to know what thus saith the Lord says about how we can remain. So look, if you will, chapter number three. Look down at verse number one. Now, I got a chuckle out of this this afternoon. Uh, the Lord was kind of sending this across the wire pretty quick, and I was writing as quick as he was talking, and uh, I couldn't help but laugh when I read verse number one. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. Notice this. He's in chapter three, and he's just now getting into the message. I get it honest, all right? It's a spiritual trait. Here he is in chapter number three, and he's just getting to the introduction. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of what? By way of remembrance. He says, I'm trying to remind you of something. Now, this is Second Peter. A lot of the things he's saying in Second Peter, he's reminding them he's already said that in First Peter. But they need reminding why he wants them to remain. Now, what's the first thing he reminds them of? Look at verse number two. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now, notice he's telling them. You've got to be mindful of the word, all right? You've got to be mindful of the word. The word of God is what's going to be that lamp unto our feet and that light unto our path. Now, he's not just telling them to memorize it. Uh, I think, look, I think memorizing scripture is wonderful. But sooner or later, you've got to embrace what you're remembering, all right? You've got to embrace it, receive it, and adopt it as something that you believe personally and you live without in your life. So number one, watch this. He says, I'm telling you to be mindful. Number one, embrace instruction. If you're going to be one of those that are of the remaining, 
those who remain after apostasy comes through and after persecution comes through, one thing you're going to have to be mindful to do is to embrace instruction. I'm not talking about just memorizing it. I'm talking about you embrace it. You wrap your mind around it. You sell out to it that this is what thus saith the Lord, I must be mindful to do if I'm going to remain steadfast in the will and the work of God. Now, we live here in the Bible Belt, and I think we're all guilty here living in the Bible Belt. We all grow up with numerous copies of the Word of God. I know right now there's at least two, maybe three sitting on my desk aside from this one. Uh, I have old preaching Bibles that I've used. I have study Bibles that I use, and then uh, Bibles that people have given me down through the years. I have stacks of them. And sometimes we take the Word of God for granted because we grow up around it. I mean, mom quotes scripture, dad quotes scripture, the preacher quotes scripture, our aunts and uncles quote scripture. But there's a big difference tonight with being aware of the Word of God and being affected by the Word of God. This is where I believe we go uh, desperately wrong. We're very much aware of it. I know lost people who can quote the Word of God as good as some saved people. Why? They're aware of it. Now, he's not just telling them, be aware of what is in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I find some lost people know the word of God better than saved people because they try to find it and use it as an excuse to keep doing what they're doing. All right? And so they're aware of it. But here's the problem. They haven't been affected by that. What Peter is telling them is, listen, verse number two, look at it. Be mindful of the words. You've got to embrace the instruction of what thus saith the Lord. Now, this reminded me of the quote that we often use and we attribute to different people, but it's attributed first to George Washington in 1799. He said, offensive operations oftentimes is the surest, if not the only means of defense. What is he saying? The best defense is a good offense. Here's what Peter is saying. The best way to defend against false doctrine is to know right doctrine, okay? The reason so many times we wonder why people who sat in these pews, they sat in these chairs, they sat in these services, and next thing you know, you look up and they're gone, and you find out they're at honky-tonk church down the road or cowboy church down the road or biker church down the road, and you're wondering, how did they get sucked into all of that? Because they were aware of the word of God but they were not affected by the word of God. They never embraced the instruction. Now, folks, if you want to be one of the people that are remaining, I'm not talking about just here at Central. Uh, look, uh, I know we're good Baptist people, uh, and our theme song is, you know, like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Uh, you're not going to move me out of my chair. You're not going to move me out of my parking space. It's mine. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the principles of what thus saith the Lord. I embrace them as truth. I wrap my mind around them. He says, be mindful of the words which were spoken to you of the Holy Scriptures. Now, folks, if you don't know what you believe, if you don't nail it down sooner or later, you know part of our theme this year is renewing our character. you got to know who you are. you got to know who you are. We wonder why we've lost, and I know I have beat this drum over and over, but I get tired of losing our young people. I get tired of parents from other churches and other states. They call, hey, why are we losing our young people? Because we don't have the courage to give them their spiritual identity based on the word of God. I'm not talking about give them my opinions. All right? We lost a lot of young people because we sold our opinions as doctrine. I'm talking about give them, what does it say? Verse number two, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets. We've got to get the word of God in them. Matter of fact, we've got to get the word of God in us. Why? If we don't embrace instruction, we're not going to remain. So he says this, I'm trying to remind you, embrace instruction. 
if you would turn back to your left just a little bit, chapter number one, I want you to look down and see some wonderful benefits of the word of God. Second Peter chapter one, look down if you would, verse number three. Bible says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now watch the future tense. He's called us to glory and virtue. How do we get there? Well, the Bible says, according to his divine power, he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now here's what's wonderful. We don't have to figure it out. Aren't you glad? There's a lot of things I have trouble figuring out. You know, the older I get, that 40 thing's no joke. It, it's no joke. I thought it was just kind of a wives' tale. No, it's for real. Now, I've been thinking about getting some of that focus factor. It makes your brain sharper and your memory better. I'm just, I'm telling you, sometimes I can't even remember your names, even when I want to. Uh, I mean, it's tough sometimes. You start getting, getting forgetful in your mind. You can't remember what you was talking about. I don't have to figure out, listen, what thus saith the Lord. He's already figured it out. And watch what he did. I mean, this will make you smile. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I love the fact that he put godliness in there because that shows it matters to him. Godliness still matters to God. And he says, I've given you everything you need to know. Evidently, in order to remain, godliness plays a part in somewhere. Notice the next part of verse 3. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Here's the neat thing. God's given you and your family and your children and this church and this nation. God has given us everything we need to know. But why are we failing? And why are we losing? We haven't embraced it. We haven't embraced it. You know, it's very evident to our kids things that we embrace and things that we cling to. It's obvious. They're around us all the time. It's evident to our spouses things that we embrace and things that we. Look, several years ago, we were up in Louisiana. I love to hunt. I really do. Uh, I haven't killed anything in several years, but I love to hunt. And then uh, I was getting up in the morning, 4 a.m. to go duck hunting, get back to the office by 8 a.m. I could do that. And in the afternoons, I'd take off and go deer hunting. I was just hunt, 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 hunt all the time. And all the Holy Spirit convicted my heart of how much my daughter saw me coming and going and in camouflage. And now there was nothing wrong with hunting. But how often does she really see me sitting down in the Word of God? How often does she see me putting the suit on on not a church day to go out and knock doors and go soul winning? Now, folks, I'm just being honest with you. I'm, I'm confessing before you. It's evident the things we embrace. Our life will reflect the things that we've embraced. And I'll tell you, America reflects the fact that we have not embraced the instruction of the Word of God. That's why we're not remaining very long. So, number one, we've got to embrace instruction. Hebrews 11, verse number 13. I think we preached out of it last week, week before last. The Bible says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. Those people that wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins, the Bible says, of whom the world was not worthy. Those pilgrims and strangers in this world who were persecuted and stoned and sawn asunder, how did those people stay the course in the midst of all of that? Here's what happened. The Bible says they were persuaded of them and they embraced them. God made them a promise and it was just as good as taking a check to the bank to cash. They said, you know what? If God said it, we embrace it and they believed it unto death. 
The Bible says they had not even received the promises, but they said, you know what? If God said it, it's good enough. We're gonna live by it. We're gonna die by it. And oh, they're realizing now they didn't make a mistake. Hope that maketh not ashamed, amen? On the, the flight back from Montana, Leslie and I were, were sitting by ourselves. Six, six of the kids were back there in the back, scared to death. You know, all these six kids back there. Uh, but uh, we could sit with them uh, or we could not sit by the bathroom. And so we chose not to sit by the bathroom up a few, a few ways up ahead. And the lady said to us, uh, sir and ma'am, is it just you two? I said, yes, we're not with them. The six back there in the back. She says, we have a couple of extra seats uh, on up with a little more leg room if you'd like them. And I thought about it. I said, man, that's just not fair that those kids sit back there and by the bathroom. But I did it anyway. We moved on up to the exit row. And boy, it was nice having all that leg room. I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, it's not often we got to sit there and get all that leg room. That was first class for a guy like me, you know, getting to sit there on the exit row. And so we're sitting there enjoying ourselves. Every once in a while, we both stretch our feet out just so the other one can see, Woo, this is nice, you know. Nobody leaning back on you. And so the lady comes over to us. She says, sir... Uh, you're sitting on this exit row. Do you accept the responsibilities of the exit row? And I said, yeah, 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 no problem. I mean, I've, I've done it a couple of times. And she says, all right, just make sure you understand here's the lights and life raft and all that, all that stuff. And I finally looked at my wife and I said, you know, it's kind of scary. Kind of a serious job we got here. You know, in the event of a water landing, we're flying from Montana to New Orleans. Not sure how that's going to happen. You know, they're going to set her down in some farmer's pond uh, there. And we know how that was going to work out. I told my wife, I said, you know, this is kind of serious. People depending on us. You know what I did? I pulled out that little placard and I started reading it. That lady that I ignored for years, you know, I, you think you'd have it memorized. I pulled it out and started looking over that placard, all right. There's, I started looking around, finding them, making sure, all right, we're good to go. Look, it was serious. I wanted to stay alive. And I wanted those other kids to stay alive too. And so I took the instruction that was there and I decided, you know, I might better embrace them. Now, can I tell you something tonight? The life that we're living, the will of God that we're called to, it's kind of serious. There's people depending upon us. As, listen, as people of God, if we want to remain, we've got to, number one, embrace instruction. Here's the good news. Point number one was the longest. Let's keep reading. Look at verse number three. We're not going to have milkshakes tonight. We're going to have ice cream. Verse three. Thank you, Brother Michael. I appreciate that. Amen. Brother Michael is always such an encouragement. <laughs> Come out to VBS this week. You're going to have a good time, I promise you. Verse 3, knowing this first, uh-oh, he says there's something you need to know. That's usually not good news when somebody tells you that. Something you need to know. Knowing this first, that there shall come the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Uh-oh. He says, I want you to be prepared. There's something you need to expect, and it's scoffers. Scoffers. Now, I think I knew what scoffers was. I mean, I've preached it before, but I said, you know, I better go look it up. And I want to give you one of the first definitions. You ready? One who eats food rapidly or greedily. I thought, yep, we got a church full of scoffers. I've eaten with some of you people before. I don't think that's the definition. I think it's the second one. One who jeers or mocks with contempt. One who jeers or mocks with contempt. So he's reminding them, listen, if you want to remain, you've got to embrace instruction. But number two, watch what he's saying. The second reminder is you need to endure opposition. Endure opposition. Now, you know, you ever get a letter in the mail? I think about this letter. Peter's writing here. You get this letter in the mail, and you're starting to read it. 
And uh, you kind of feel like the tone of the letter is going toward a negative tone. You're like, yeah, I see where this is headed. I think that's how they felt as they read this. Like, yeah, I was afraid you were going to say that. You know, opposition tonight is not something that we invite, is it? I don't like opposition. I I really don't. I am a non-confrontational person. That's just my nature that God gave me. I'm a non-confrontational person. I do not like opposition. I do not invite opposition. But you know, as a child of God, you should expect it. You should expect it. What did he say? Knowing this first. He said, look, we're going to pull the Band-Aid off right here. I'm going to let you know. That if you're going to remain, remember verse number one, I want to remind you of something. Why? Because I want you to remain. Now, here's what he says. Understand opposition is going to come. In the last days, the Bible says, scoffers walking after their own lust. Now, folks, that right there, I'm willing to wager, because I'm a Christian. I don't bet, but I do wager. I'm willing to wager that that right there unseats 30% of Christians scoffers in opposition. What keeps most Christians from witnessing, from going door-to-door soul winning, inviting a co-worker to church? What keeps most people? It's the fear of opposition. We don't like opposition. I've been so encouraged, and boy, appreciate Brother John and Miss Stacy so much. Every Saturday morning, look out the window of my office, loading up the teenagers to go soul winning. Just loading them up, going soul winning. Canvassing Hattiesburg, Knocking door just encourages my heart so much. They'll get back. Mine will get back. And I love hearing the war stories. You know, there's always war stories. Now, these are teenagers, okay? They're going, at, they're going knocking doors. And, you know, uh, I think the words she used this past week, somebody waved them off. You know, they see you coming. You know, you got to learn how to conceal it. I'm telling you, prize patrol, that's the best way to go door knocking. Every person on the planet would knock, would answer their door, just some balloons and a big check. But aside from that, she said they're walking up or somebody's walking up and all of a sudden somebody waved them off. Ah, I don't care who you are. That doesn't feel good. It doesn't encourage you when somebody tells you they don't want to hear what you have to say. But watch this. If you want to remain, you're going to have to learn to endure opposition. Why? Because there's going to be opposition. So how do you know? Well, verse number three says, knowing this, not as you seek to live and fulfill the will of God and remain standing upon the word and the will of God, not it might happen. It says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Can I tell you the world's full of them? Some of them are even Christians, scoffing against other Christians. That's probably one of the toughest things to have to endure. By the way, this is why you better embrace instruction. You better embrace instruction so that when the scoffers do come, you know what you believe so much that when they scoff at you, it doesn't phase you. But do you know why so many quit and go home? It's because they don't know what thus saith the Lord enough. They haven't embraced it enough. They're Sunday morning only Christians who come just to be seen. I'm just being honest with you. Oftentimes that's the case. They haven't embraced the word and the will of God personally. And when scoffers come, there's not enough on the inside to withstand the pressure on the outside. You better put something in there. And you put something in there that can withstand the pressure that's going to come. Why? Because knowing this, in the last days, there shall come scoffers, the Bible says. Turn to your left real quickly, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we were there just a moment ago. 
Watch verse number one. You can always tell when it's a rough outline because we turn a lot, okay? That's how you know. Now you know. I'm just sharing an intimate part of my study habits with you. Second Timothy chapter three, verse number one. This, watch the next word, no. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Almost sounds like Peter and, and Timothy and Paul and all these guys got their information from the same place. Uncanny coincidence. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Well, what makes them perilous? Well, verse 2 tells you, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters. I find it ironic that the next word says proud. Let that sink in. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accuser, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Do you know oftentimes why people oppose and despise? It's because of who you are. Oppose those that are good. You're being opposed because of who you are. And oh, it doesn't feel good. But the good news is we have a proactive God who's prepared us by letting us know here and just a few pages apart that this was going to happen. Now, folks, John 15, Christ reminds us that if the world hated, hates us, it hated him first. No pity parties. Oh, Lord, you just don't know what this like. He says, oh, no, John 15, 8. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. And it says if you were of the world, the world would love its own. So it's almost a little bit of a badge of honor. Don't get too proud with it. But it's almost a little badge of honor that the world does hate you and that the world does oppose you and despise you. It's because something about you they recognize, 2 Timothy 3, as something good. It's actually a little bit of a compliment that they recognize that in your life. Now, I saw something this afternoon. Let me get back over here to Peter. I saw something that I don't know that I've ever ever preached on before. I want you to look down in 2 Peter chapter 3 again, back to our text. Notice what the Bible says at the very end. It shows you the root of their opposition. Knowing this first, that there shall come the last day scoffers walking after their own lust. Now watch, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. They don't like you and they oppose you simply because they'd rather walk after their own lust, right? You know, there's people who hate me who, who I've never spoken with. There's people who, who don't like me, people who say things about me, who I, I don't know that I've ever actually sat down and have a conversation worth them not liking me. Now, I understand if you've had a conversation with me, it's okay if you don't like me. I understand that sometimes my wife doesn't like me, and that's perfectly all right, but there's some people who don't want to have anything to do with me or, or God or you or church. Why? Well, the truth is, look, it's not you. Don't take it personal. They would rather walk after their own lust. They want to do what they want to do. Right? It's not you. You know, what do you say when you break up with somebody? It's not you. It's me. Well, it's them. It ain't you. It's them. It's because they just want to do what they want to do, walking after their own lust. And here you are walking by the will and the word of God. And they just don't like you because... You bring conviction to them. Is that what happens? When light comes into darkness, men, hate, men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. 
and you're letting your light shine. Listen, I'm not talking about pompous and boastful, but you're just letting your light shine in your lifestyle, and all of a sudden your light shines over into their darkness like, whoa, now, I don't like you doing all that. Why do so many of the left-leaning and leftward ideals in this country just hate people that have never given them any reason to hate? It's because when light shines in the darkness, it exposes the deeds that are evil, and that's why they don't like you. Don't take it personal, all right? Doesn't that make you feel better? It's not you they don't like. It's not your face. It's not your looks. It's not your car. It's not your ball team. It's just a simple fact that you're light, and they're in darkness, and they're opposing you because the closer you get to them the more of their deeds, which are evil, are going to be exposed. That's Bible all day long. That's why when you run from me in Walmart and when I pull up in your driveway and you turn the lights out, I don't take it personal. I laugh at you. I've got some of it on video. No, I really don't. I really don't. Number two, if you're going to remain, he reminds us you're going to have to endure opposition real quickly. I want you to skip down. Look, if you will, verse number nine. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let that be a reminder there to us tonight that even though people oppose us, the same God that wasn't willing that you perish, the same God that's not willing they should perish, and we should be willing to take the gospel to them. But watch a promise that God's going to keep in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Watch verse 11. Seeing then that all these things, that means all of this life, all of this world, shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? It's amazing. He mentions those two things specifically. Number three, real quickly, one of the greatest motivations for remaining standing, staying put on the word of God. One of the greatest motivations is simply this. Number three, expect an interruption. Expect an interruption. One of the most motivating thoughts that keeps me in the will of God and trying to stand on the word of God is knowing that Jesus is coming and one day all of this is going to be dissolved. It's going to be gone. And one day it'll just be me in the presence of my God. And you know what that motivates me to do? Remain. Stay put. He says here, seeing, look at verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Can I tell you something? Those two things right there, holy conversation or lifestyle and godliness, those are two tough places to stand. Persecution and apostasy has moved more people from holy conversation and godliness than any invading army could ever desire to. Persecution comes, it moves you away. You're being persecuted because you're trying to live godly or trying to have a holy conversation of lifestyle. Ooh, can I tell you what will keep you there when everybody makes fun because you're trying to live in a holy conversation of godliness? The first part of verse 11 seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Expecting an interruption will keep you on your toes, won't it? If you hear somebody say, I'm just going to drop by on Monday, man, you got that house clean before 8 a.m., don't you? You don't know when they're coming, but you're just ready, you know. Husband comes through, gets out a gallon of milk, you know, uses the last of the milk and just sets the empty container on the counter. I wouldn't do such a thing, but I'm sure some of you have. And you just put that up there on the counter, and your wife comes through. What are you doing? 
Mom and dad are coming, grandma and grandpa are coming, and they're keeping it clean. I mean, I mean, just, you just walk through the kitchen. They sweep it again. Why? They're expecting company. And that's motivating you. Keep it clean. Why? People are coming. Now, God help us if we keep our houses more clean when people are coming than we do our lives and our holy conversation clean. Because I'll tell you this, you might get company. You will get God. He is coming. We have a promise from him that one day he's coming, and then after all is said and done, all of this is going to be destroyed. You better expect an interruption. That'll keep you on your toes. That'll make you remain, and he's reminding them, hey, don't forget, one day all of this is going to be gone. This afternoon, I got home, sat down on the couch just for a few minutes while Leslie's cooking lunch, took out my Bible, began to make notes for the message tonight, getting everything wrapped up and getting ready. Next thing you know, that good sleep started sneaking up on me where you feel yourself going and you're okay with it some of you come on now you feel it coming and you're just nestled in the cushions of the couch you're sitting there and it's it's like that laughing gas at the dentist your toes start to tingle and you're fine it's all right i was sitting there and i'm like yeah i just want to get a quick 30 minutes quick 30 minutes and all of a sudden i realized last sunday it was seven o'clock i got a nap last sunday but this Sunday, it's back at 5 o'clock again. I realized, hey, Sunday's coming at 5 o'clock. i got to be up in the pulpit preaching. I, gotta get, I didn't have time to sleep. You see, what was motivating me? I knew that my sleep was going to get interrupted by the fact I had to get up here and preach in just a few minutes. So number two, what will help you remain? Expect an interruption. Hebrews 10, 25, what does the Bible say? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Forsake not, that means stay put. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But the Bible goes on to say, exhorting one another. That means challenging, confronting, contending, encouraging one another. When so much the more as you see the day approaching. I've told you, look, you ain't got to be a theologian to realize all the chess pieces are coming into play. The board is starting to line up. So much more, that means stand, stay put, forsake not. So much the more as you see the day approaching. He reminds them one day the Lord's coming back. All of this is going to be dissolved. So what keeps you remaining? Expecting an interruption. And then lastly, for some reason we've gone to four. All I can figure is some of you ain't living right. And he keeps stretching it from three to four. I'm just doing what he tells me. It's been a lot of four. My, my daughter told me that. You had double fours last Sunday, Dad. I'm sorry. Somebody's not living right. You guys get right. We'll go back to two, okay? Look down, verse 17, and we're done. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things. Which things? Well, the things in verse 15 and 16, but really all the things before. Beware. Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Notice it didn't say fall from salvation. It says fall from your own steadfastness. What is steadfastness? It's staying put, remaining. He says beware, lest you fall away from your own steadfastness. You know, I believe each and every one of us here tonight has good intentions. You're going to be steadfast. I'm going to be one of the, when the trump of God sounds, listen, I'm going to be right where I'm supposed to be, and I'm going to be so glad when the Lord comes. I'm looking forward to hearing well done. It's going to be a blessed hope. And that's your intentions. But notice, in spite of their intentions, he says, you still better beware. The fourth and final thing I'm going to give you tonight is you better ensure your intentions. You better ensure your intentions. You see, the natural tendency is to be led away. 
or to fall from your own steadfastness. That's the natural tendency. I told just somebody back there in the back while I go, if you go back here behind the church uh, to the right of the gym, uh, you'll see a giant pine tree that fell last night during VBS practice. Massive pine tree. If you've been around property long enough, you've noticed that pine tree has been leaning for a while. It's been leaning. And finally, all that rain comes along, softens up the ground, the root system got soft, and finally, kaboom, and it fell over uh, P.D. Freeman Road back here. We had to call the cops last night, get them to come out and, and get all that cleaned up. What happened? It leaned long enough, and it finally gave way. And the old phrase is so true, you will fall in the direction that you lean. Be careful the direction you're leaning. Now, here's what he's saying. Be careful. What does he say? He says, beware. He says, you better, I know you've got good intentions. I'm going to be steadfast. He says, but you better beware lest you be led away and the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Now, here's the good part, and I'm done. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you ensure your intentions? Well, it's verse 18. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever. Amen. Here's what he says in verse 17. Beware that you don't go backwards. Verse 18. The way you don't go backwards is keep going forwards. Do you see that? He says don't slide away in verse number 17. He says as long as you're growing this way, you're not going this way. But it's one or the other. If you quit growing forward, you're going to go backwards. It's just natural. You're going to fall away from your own steadfastness. Tonight, folks, I don't know about you. I want to be one of the ones that are remaining. Not for notoriety, not for acclaim. I just want to be found standing where my father told me to stand and staying where my father told me to stay. Remember as a kid, I'm closing my Bible to give you a little bit of hope, okay? Remember as a kid, mom and dad would be doing something somewhere and they would say, wait right here. Wait right here. And most of the time I tried to do that, okay? Every once in a while I would get distracted by something shiny or, you know, usually it was candy. That's what got me every time. But what a blessing it was when mom and dad would come back around the corner and I was right where they left me. And a big possum smiled on my face. Still here. <laughs> I did it this time. <laughs> Got it once. And it just felt so good to be exactly where they told me to be. Can you imagine what it's going to feel like when the eastern sky breaks and we see our Lord and you know you're where you're supposed to be because you insured it. Not only do I intend on it, I'm insuring it by growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. Second Peter chapter 3 gives us some wonderful, wonderful reminders on how we can be one of those that remain. And I pray that Central Baptist Church and the people of Central Baptist Church are a church full of people. When the Lord does come back, he finds us exactly where he told us to stand. Amen. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed.